Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Ramming from the end zone, he throws, had it deflect away, and it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former Giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips a defender, fumbles the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, read me on Bleacher Report, and follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is Will Blackman, NFL vet, Super Bowl champ. And you can find him at Will Blackman. All right. So you and I, uh, we've had a couple def- technical difficulties. We were we went dark on Friday's show. And then you and I skipped our usual Sunday from Monday show because of that. And we have a lot to catch up on. This is true. So uh, let's start with... My weekend... Let's start oh, you with know your, what? Sure, let's start with your weekend. Actually, I have something to confess. Yes. So I always, <laughs> you know, when it comes to me about being competitive, I always tell people, you know, I am, yeah, because of being a professional athlete, yes, I'm competitive. But I always, always say my wife is the most competitive in the house. Right. And no, no matter what we do, we, she's extremely competitive. And I'm like, usually I can play a recreational sport. Actually, all the time I can play a recreational sport, and I, I'm just fine, Uh-oh. you know. So okay. I play, every Tuesday night, you know, I, I play basketball with a bunch of dads. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> we, we just play to go there and, and get some get some cardio and just to, you know, have fun. And usually, like, yeah, I'm the mediator. Someone step, steps on a line. I'm like, look, this is a Christian school. It's not that serious. It's not that serious. And it's not that serious. However, I have a there's only one thing on the court I have like zero tolerance for. And that's when someone unnecessarily like like a flagrant foul, basically. Right? That's kinda like, come on, yeah. man, like yeah. where where are here? No one's getting paid. Right. Right? right. You know what I mean? No, no need for getting, that. Yeah. I mean actually a month ago I was I came down the court full speed, you know, on a fast break and this guy was probably 150 pounds reached in to grab the ball and i ran him over hmm. clean over and he's 
And he's I thought I killed the dude, you know. <laughs> and the the messed up part is I didn't even feel it. You know, oh. that was tough. Oh. But to my point, he was like, you got to give me credit. He said, you got to give me credit for at least, you know, trying to get the ball. I was like, dude, I I respect your hustle, but yeah. like, let's be careful. Yeah. We're not trying to yeah. hurt each other. Yeah. So there's a guy we play with. He's he's real intense. And once again, I respect his hustle too. He's actually, you know, pretty pretty good shape, pretty good athlete. Maybe about six one, maybe one ninety. Mm-hmm. So I'm going down on a fast break by myself again, and I just hear his feet chasing me down mm-hmm. the court. So I slow down to get out of his way because he's I know he's known for just blocking shots. He has a really like long wingspan too. Okay. So I slow down to get out of his way to let him pass me and I just go for a layup, you know, with my left. Mm-hmm. And he jumps, but he jumps and sh- and jumps right into me with a shoulder block. Like drills me. Hmm. And my immediate reaction, yeah. I threw the ball at the dude. <laughs> I lit him up with the basketball. And I was so upset. It's one thing if he went up and tried to block it and he yeah. knocked it over. That's yeah. one thing. You know, but he didn't even put his hand up. Right. He shoulder blocked me to knock me off and I almost fell and, and I got so upset, man. And I threw the ball. I'm the one that's like, everyone relax. It's not that serious. not that serious. And I chucked the ball right at well, this dude. I will say, in your defense, <laughs> you weren't the instigator. And you anticipated what was going to happen and tried to avoid what was going to be a, a dynamic play, right? And the dude basically took plan B. I can't block him. So I'm just going to stop him, which in pickup, when nobody's getting paid, uh, my, my whole you know, philosophy was, I want to get in, I want to get out without getting hurt. If I, yeah. However I play is secondary. If I get a good workout and I didn't get hurt, it's a good day. So I kind of understand yeah. where that came from. And his thing was, and, and I, I, I apologize for all that. I went up to him. I was remorseful. I felt bad about it, you know, because he wasn't out there intentionally trying to hurt me. However, there is a history. I, I do get in his head a little bit. Right. A little bit, yeah. you know, <laughs> because I know how hard he's trying and he's like, we're going to win. And that was his argument. He goes, well, I'm out here trying to win. That's all that matters. I said, yeah, I want you to try to win, right. but let's not kill each other trying to do it understood and still it's like okay what what are you winning here like sure you want to you want to win you want to stay on the court but what's the prize and what's the prize for him for him he's that guy it's so satisfying okay so when i got there first he actually you know made the winning bucket to win the game and he did like a jordan fist pump like this that's it that's what i'm talking about you know he's really emotional like that so I actually get a kick out of playing someone like that because it, it's funny. Yeah. He's 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 athletic and coordinated, but he's not he's not a basketball player. Oh, you know what I mean. No. Say no more. That's my that's that's my whole point Say of him no being more. of him being violent. So, right. right. I mean, it was those are the most was, dangerous guys. They're the most dangerous because they can very mix dangerous. it up. They can always get to the spot. They can always get involved because they're athletic enough. Yeah, but they don't understand the finer points of okay you're playing hard but you got to play smart exactly the the actual art of basketball yes 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 he and has, when you're no, competing is, 
when you're competing, it is yeah. no holes barred. That's the difference. I can play with a bunch of guys aggressive who know how to play basketball. But when you come, when you have guys who go up there and they're just ready to rock, right? Like that's my hope. That's why. I, that's exactly why I slow down on my fast break. I've got a crooked. Anyhow. I got a crooked left. <laughs> I got a crooked finger, index finger, because one of those guys. I did get in his head though a couple games ago. He came down a fast break by himself. He was my guy. I was defending. And some one of my teammates was hustling to go put a hand up in his face. I was like, no, 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 no. I said, let him shoot it. Oh. Air ball. Oh. <laughs> this was before or after you threw the ball? This is way before. Way, oh. way before. Yeah. yeah. But no, afterwards, though, we dude, were up. Dude, what, you, you, you think he wasn't going to come for you after that? Like, no, I thought he was going to try to block my shot, which is fine. He, he sent mines to the bleachers before. That's fine, right, you know? Right, I thought he was going to at least put a hand up. I didn't know he was going to go into me, you so, know? So where did it go after you threw the ball at him? So, uh, you know, we, we argued a little bit, and then, you know, we were going up and down the court, and we were up, I think the game was to nine. We were up, and I think, like seven to, seven to one, I believe it was. And he's like, it's not over, guys. We can make a comeback. It's never over. That guy, it's never over. So, Are you boom. serious? So they go down, they make a shot. So now it's like seven five, and you know I am. Were you playing to eleven? We'll play what to nine because we had so many guys, so okay. we just had short games, and so you know I am the guy like you do want to maybe swing at because I'll you know I'll smile down the court, you know whatever. So he's like it's seven five, it's never over. I was like dude, I was like you guys aren't gonna win. He was like. Ignore him. It's never over. I was like, you're not. Like, just like, I was like, let it go. It's never over. So he's like, you know, doing the clap on defense, getting ready to oh go. Oh, my goodness. And next gracious. thing you know, boom, I bang down a two. My father in law bangs down a two, and we go sit down. <laughs> All right. We've now yeah. spent nine minutes on your pickup game. I'm sorry. No, the whole point was, you know, I need to. I need to tone it down. So I come in no, peace. Well, I have to ask. I, I hate to carry on this, but what happened after you threw the ball at him? Oh, he, he he walked up to me, you know, upset. Like, right. yo, like, like, what was that for? That's my whole thing, though. He was so delusional and to the point where he didn't even know he did something wrong. Right. He thought that was that was it was it was what it was. Hmm. So, all right. That's kind of I was like, this guy doesn't know what's going on. So I was like, you know what? I apologize. I went up to him. It was all good. I'll see him next Tuesday tomorrow. Speaking of Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Oh, him walking off? Which one? Let's, yeah, so let's start there. Let's start the with the first, podium so and work our way backward. Here's what's... Here's I know, what's I know the backstory, by, of the, of, by the way, of why he walked off. Yeah, no, no. I'll, I'll, we can get to that. Okay. Um, no, it's interesting because I, I love the way he handles the interviews and he goes through all the stat notes all the time and he's right. what have you. And I was like, man, I, I literally almost tweeted out. I was like, see, that's how you handle a loss. You sit there, you you handle it, you talk about it like a professional. You know, you don't get up and walk away like Cam Newton. Right. And I didn't say anything. Then lo and behold, boom, <laughs> takes So please, backstory. So Malika Andrews is the reporter who asked the question. She's Wisconsin, right? Yes. And apparently, she had put something out about Giannis saying that. This Toronto series could have, or I don't know if it was could have or will have an impact on Giannis's decision to stay or go. Huh. So when she asked this question about experience, that apparently lit the match or 
Giannis wasn't happy about the previous. I don't know if it was a tweet. I don't know. I, I, I should know the details. I was told the details. I didn't write them down. But that was, it was who was asking the question and what the question was about, which was now having, you know, you guys didn't know if experience was going to be a factor. People say that it is. Now that you've been through this, would you say that, that experience is a factor playing in the conference finals? And Giannis just didn't want to engage someone who had tweeted something that he obviously had objections to. And that's why he walked off. Was that walk-off worthy, though? It No. Well, honestly, I don't know that anything is. I mean, the truth of the matter is, if you, if you are walking off, it, I don't know how you, you know. It looks worse on you. Like you're, absolutely, not, that's no what one, I mean. No one's applauding the that's, fact that you walked off. It's that's like, what I mean. No. You got to be. Yeah. You you have to. I mean, this is one of the one of the the challenges, the responsibilities, the burdens of being a professional athlete is you have to be above it. Right now, what really bothered me, and I talked a little bit about this in the last podcast. What really bothers me is that nobody from the Bucks, clearly the Bucks did not prepare him. Because you have to know that he's emotional going up there. Remind him, hey, you need to get through five, six minutes of this. You may be asked some tough questions, questions that are going to hit you wrong. Don't be LeBron James from the 2011 finals where he didn't walk off, but he acted really childish in some ways in some of his answers. Like, well, you know, I, I'll still get up tomorrow and you'll be living, you know, all those people that are hating on me. Yeah, they'll be so living. petty. Life. Yes, it's petty. And, and walking off is petty. There's no it other is. word for I it. Agree. It's the best word for it. It's if, petty. If anybody, if anybody wants to look at two guys who, who probably, to me, are the greatest – uh, players or professional athletes to handle interviews. Hmm. It's Andrew Luck yep. and Russell Wilson. Oh, I was going to give you one more. Give me guy you, you played with Eli Manning. A lot of Eli. No, Eli does a great job. I think so. I think he does a great job. I think Sean McVay does a great job. Yes, he does. Although we, he, we, we, he he hasn't. We haven't seen him really face the fire. I give Eli credit because he's faced the fire and he, he still shows up. He still answers the, the questions. After that crumble in the Super Bowl. What's that? He faced the fire after he crumbled in that Super Bowl. No, no, no. I get that. But as young as he is, it's the first time he's had to f- face the fire. And let's be honest, he faced the fire. It's after the Super Bowl. Like, it's not. Right. We just went to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Like, hello. Exactly. Come on now. Uh, you weren't, you know, I- I'm still a prodigy. So yeah. I think he gets extra credit or or I give Eli extra credit because, you know, Eli, Eli's been taking it and he shows up. He answers the questions. I get, look, anybody out there. You want to find the the Eli the, took it as soon as he walked through the door because he didn't want to go to San Diego. That too. But you ask like if if there's a press conference out there where Eli acted out of turn or walked off or was offended by a question, you send it to me because I've never seen it. Yeah, and he has he had every right in a lot of cases. Yep. To yeah. to act the fool. Yeah. Especially when he got benched. Yep. So yeah, no, I, I had issue with that. But here's the thing. To me, this is a reflection of who Giannis is as a player. This was a situation he was not prepared for, and he didn't know how to react. 
Didn't we just watch that on the four on the floor in the last Andy's four foreigners. games? What foreigners, man? <laughs> <laughs> he, look, he's a young player. He will get better, but. He, I, it's funny. I had an assistant coach tell me when before I was asking him like what he thought about Warriors matchup with the Bucks and with Giannis, and he said his game's not that nuanced. It feels like a lot of smoke has been blown up Giannis's butt, and, and hopes that that's not going to undercut him in becoming what he should become. Now, I've talked to other people, Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty, the guys who coached him. They're like, hey, dude, this guy's this guy's got it. He's He'll get there because he wants it. He wants it badly enough. Right. So I believe that. But I also, I mean, Toronto did what I thought you could do, which is if you take certain things away, if he goes left, just don't let him come back right because he, he wants to come back right. Right. Make him pick up that dribble and now he's a decision maker you've taken away a lot of his game. And so Toronto was just very good and disciplined about that. Now, when it comes to the Raptors, and I'm skipping forward to the to the finals, unless there's something about the series that you want to get into or you like you observe that you want to touch upon, but otherwise I, I want to get sort of your feelings about what the, the level of entertainment that you're expecting from a Warriors-Raptors NBA Finals. Well, I saw, I don't know if it was fake news or what, but I saw that um, Boogie is questionable. Yes. Well, he's being, so I don't know if they're listing him as questionable. Steve Kerr was very clear. If If you listen and read everything that Steve Kerr has said about the subject, it's they're trying to keep DeMarcus, DeMarcus's mind right. If if you said, DeMarcus I, is game six ready? Yeah. <laughs> if you said, if you said, like, yeah, because there's two things. It's not so much that he's not physically able to go because he's practicing with the team. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, is he in shape? And is he in shape well enough that we would risk playing him in an NBA Finals game? Steve Kerr didn't say those exact words, but if you are able to read between the lines, that's what he was saying. Right. Is And so, you know, he's not going to say doubtful. He's not going to say, I don't know if he's going to play in this series. He wants to hold that hope out there for DeMarcus because he knows that this is the whole reason that DeMarcus came here. And it's already been a disappointing season in having a second injury, which took him out what first quarter, second quarter of, of of game two of the playoffs? Like this is, this is not what he signed up for, right? So he's just trying to keep him there. Now, I don't expect that Durant is going to play at all. Demarcus has a better at this, all. What do you mean at all? Like Demarcus isn't going to play in the finals. Oh yeah, I thought you meant Durant. I mean Durant is not going to play in the finals. I think Durant's hundred percent. I hundred percent going to play. I think he's hundred percent healthy. Oh no 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 no. I was, you know I, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm. In fact, what I've been told is that this injury is. So you're so slick, dude. What I've been told. <laughs> I tell you what, you are a veteran in the game. I've been talking to a lot of people over the last 24 hours, even hearing that that he may be having second thoughts about leaving Golden State because of the injury. 
because the injury is a lot more severe. You might have to get that calf scoped. Well, and and he's suddenly looking at, okay, serious injury. Can I go to New York and carry a team by myself? If I don't, man, like physically, it's a lot easier playing with Steph, playing with Clay, playing with Draymond, playing with this crew is a lot easier than me going and carrying the, carrying the water all by myself. So Clay's leaving. Oof. <laughs> well, that now that does open up a whole can, other can of worms because financially, how are you going to satisfy everybody? How are you going to satisfy everybody? That Absolutely. does that does become the next domino to fall. It's a great point by you. So anyhow, you asked me a question on my thoughts on the finals. Yes, I do have the Warriors winning. Okay. Um, I don't have a actual which game pick, yet. No, pick. Just do it. Just do it. Pick one. Five. Just do it. Five. And five. Okay. And five. Okay. Um, I think a game in Toronto, the energy would be great. And I think they'll find everything in their power to get a game. Yeah. I think it's going to be, this is going to be a Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka game. You know, I think they're going to be extremely important because they're going to have to play half-court basketball. Uh, in order to get this done. And and I think they're, I know they're physical enough to try to dominate, you know, in the paint. So I think that's going to be really, really, really important. And I don't know, there's there's just something or or energy-wise with Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. There's just something, I don't know, there's just something about it where, you know, you you see it in a guy and you just don't want to go against him. Yeah. You know? And I believe there's... I I meant in terms of like, yeah, I'm gonna pick the Warriors, but man, if the Raptors if the Raptors pull something off, I, I wouldn't be like shocked and blown right. away. I'm like, man, Kawhi's in the zone right now, right. and he's and he's figuring it out, and he's leading. You know, that's why I believe it can be. It's going to be more competitive than people are giving it credit. I think it's, it's going to competitive. I think it's going to go six games, and I th- I don't I don't expect it's going to be a rollover. The big question is going to be: Can they do with the Warriors what they did to Milwaukee, which is exactly as you said. Choke the pace down, make it a half court game. And then, and this is where I struggle because Kawhi is going to be a difficult matchup in the half court. But can you get easy buckets? Because the Warriors can get easy buckets in the half court. Milwaukee couldn't get easy buckets in the half court. Right. They didn't have enough playmakers. Once you made Giannis play in a half court, now you're relying on Bledsoe. You're, rely, you're relying on Malcolm Brogdon. It's, there's just George Hill. Now it's instead of George Hill and Malcolm Brogdon and Eric Bledsoe, you're talking about Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry as playmakers. Right. Little bit different. <laughs> just a, lot, a little yeah, bit different. Exactly, because who's going to defend who? Yeah. That's, 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 that's where I see the issue is when Golden State is on offense. Who's going to defend who? You know, Kawhi's going to go on clay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the, this will be interesting because it, it, the, how they match it up. Are you going to put Kyle on Steph? Right. Or, or are you going to put Pascal Siakam on Steph? Right. Because length will, you know, if you're going to make the game hard for Steph, you can do that. The matchups will be very interesting. This will be a test of Nick Nurse. And what's so funny, and I pointed it out again, like it will be more of a test of Nick Nurse as a defensive coach than as an offensive coach. Yeah, because I'm not. I am not putting Pascal on Steph. 
You're not. No, then who Pascal, are you putting him? Pascal's going to hit the floor so many times. <laughs> what do you mean? Just get shook? Huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that may be. too big to be chasing that guy around all day long. I will say, I, I went out to practice two times in the last couple of days, and Steph has just like a little couple pieces of, of black tape on the finger on his left hand, and he was in a zone from everywhere, just dropping it everywhere. They have, they have superpowers. That's he, what it is. Man, it was – I love – I this is one of, the, one of the most beautiful things. It's relaxing for me just to go shoot, but to watch somebody who can shoot at that level – And not even hit the rim. It's hypnotic. It's, it, it, it's, it's meditative for me to right. see just that wow. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wap. Wap. Effortless. I love and it, it goes, and it, this is interesting too, because this reminds me of the Super Bowl where everyone's comparing players, you know, like this guy, you got Brady. Of course, you don't want, you can't go against Brady because he's the MVP. Well, Warriors got Steph, who's an MV, who two-time MVP, and you got Brady has all these rings, and Steph has all these rings. The Patriots, Warriors, Patriots, Warriors. But the real battle in the Super Bowl was Belichick versus Sean McVay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you look at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, man, it's not even close. Okay, so we've. Uh, I, you said it was going to be five games. I said it's going to be more competitive. And it's going to be six. You said you wouldn't be surprised if it's more competitive. And then we just tried it out. All the reasons why this should be a sweep, <laughs> like the, the disadvantage, the advantage the Warriors have in coaching, uh, the difference in the personnel between Milwaukee uh, playmakers and and Golden State's. So here is why I do believe it's going to be competitive. And number one is exactly what you said at the center position between Ibaka and Marcus Saul. I think they can. I think they can cause some problems. How are you going to match up with them? It's one thing for Kevon Looney to do what he's done against Myers Leonard and Ennis Cantor. Marcus Saul is a different animal. He's he's got more in his bag than Ennis Cantor does. And Serge Ibaka and Serge is a different athlete. Is an inside outside guy. He like he if Kevon steps out on him, he's going to go by him. So right. I do think that that's a wrinkle. I also think the bench is a different. With Fred Van Vliet right. playing the way that he has been playing, and Powell playing the way that he's been playing, that uh, as as gratifying as it's been to see guys like Quinn Cook and Jonas Jarepko uh, step up and contribute. Now we're at the finals. Right now, let's see. And then the same thing applies to the to the Raptors. Like, but I'm not convinced that the. I think the talent level with the Raptors bench is higher, and now it just ma- it depends on who's going to seize the moment. And are we going to have a Patrick McCaw sighting? Right. And what will that be like? 
I so, feel like I feel like this would be a series where he will be the unsung hero. There's something about him where, you know, he feel he feels so confident to shoot the ball. Yeah. Like if he was on Golden State, he would be lights out. I thought that that was one of the mistakes they made was in not bringing him back, not not spending the extra money to bring him back. And then, you know, Kevon Looney really stepped up and that's made a huge difference and they went and got Bogut and they've had enough to get to the finish line. But the thing, I don't know if you know, you know, the, they, they screwed it up with McCall. Like a lot of people are looking at McCall and say, why would you leave the Warriors? And, and this is, well, I'll explain this first. The reason he left is because they had basically told him, you're the guy. You're in this role. And then they went and signed Nick Young. And suddenly he was having to compete for the spot. Right. He was like, wait a minute. He felt betrayed. Like, why are you going and getting this guy when you told me I had earned that spot? Welcome to sports. Yes. So, to that end, you know, people thought he was a little bit crazy. And I'll be honest, I thought he's a little bit crazy. I think Jordan Bell's been a little bit crazy in how he's approached things. But it amazes me there are, there are athletes, professional athletes, who are convinced once they've made the league, whatever league it might be, oh, well, if they're not going to use me here, I, I'll, I'll go someplace else. But I'm going to be in the league. And I feel like that's a little de- delusional with certain guys. And Patrick McCaw's right on that fringe. Like, I don't know that people are breaking down the door to get you. Yes, can you help teams? Yes. But are you so special that they can't find somebody else? I don't know about that. And I feel the same right. way with Jordan Bell. I don't know if you've had that experience where you've either played with guys or you've come up with guys or you've seen guys come in and go out because they they assumed like they they were in and if not in one place in another place and they end up on the outside looking in because you know what they say a lot of four threes on them streets a lot of <laughs> no it's, it's interesting because here's what here's what happened when you have a guy who's talented hmm. and they're let go by a team a team that is interested, the first thing they're going to do is call that former team and say, what's, what's wrong with them? What's the problem? Hmm. What's the issue? Hmm. I try to tell these young guys, I'm like, listen, you guys can do what you want. You can have all these tantrums or attitudes, all these whatever you want, disputes with players or coaches, what have you. But everybody talks. Yeah. All these GMs are hooked up with each other. They're, they're friends through business. So they're going to talk to each other. They're going to share notes. They're going to find out what's going on. They want to know what is happening. Hmm. You know, I mean, for example, I'm in a different situation because I'm a player. I'm not I'm not in the front office. When when DJ Swearinger got released from the Redskins, who was a starting safety, yep. who's a good player, two GMs called me because they knew I knew him. So what's what's the deal with DJ? What's he like as a person? What's his personality? Is he a good dude? Why, why, why did he get released? What's the issue? Everyone talks. Right. So to your point, if, a, if yeah, if you're either – now, that's the case if you're like a really good starter, promising player. Or you know, like you said, if you're not one of those promising players and you have a little red flag or something about you and players are talking, yeah, you're going to have an issue trying to get back in. Yeah. I'm sure that it's more than one call too. I'm sure they're making a half dozen calls to do their homework on a guy – and 
It's not even you have to have, you know, if they make six calls, like four of the calls have to be good and two of them can be bad. If if two of them are bad, if there's more than one, like, ding on you in those calls, then they're probably moving on and you're not getting another shot. Yeah, and, and where did DJ end up going? He went back to Arizona, his last team. Right. Because they knew him. Right. You know, right. I mean, I always bring up the whole story when Charles Woodson was with us um, a few weeks ago. But he was a Pro Bowl corner. Hmm. And when he was a free agent, nobody wanted to sign Charles Woodson because of what they heard about him in Oakland. Hmm. Now, one team, the only team that called him was Green Bay. That's wild. To, to our point. Yes. You and know, if you everyone, can be that kind of talent and that can put you on the outside, that says a lot. Green Bay was his only option. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing <laughs> it's mind-boggling yeah so um i had this conversation with andre Iguodala the other day it's a piece that i'm going to be writing for bleacher report this week you are all up in their facility My dude goodness i've talked patience. to everybody over there well not everybody but i've been i've been doing a lot of work on on the wars well they're, they're in the finals they're about to very likely three-peat i mean yeah if you're going to write about something right now that's uh that's what uh, you should be writing about in any event, or at least trying to find some new ground. I mean, everybody's going to be writing about them. It's whether you can find something that's, uh, that's fertile. But uh, I had a long conversation with Iguodala, and he talked about the unique chemistry of this team. It's actually what I wanted to talk to him about, because I feel as if people are just focused on like KD, whether KD stays or goes, and that's going to decide the fate of the Warriors and... I'm looking at Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston. If either one or both of those guys go, this Warriors team's not the same. You're not replacing that. And it's not just the talent. It's the chemistry. Right. It's the guys who, and Andre pointed this out, like Sean and Andre. Andre was a finals MVP. Now, he wasn't saying this, but it's part of the, the point. Like if anybody should expect to get more, play more, be treated a certain way. It's a guy who's a finals MVP. And yet he's never let that get in the way. Sean Livingston has never let that get in the way. Meanwhile, you got Terry Rozier over in Boston, who's the seventh, eighth man. And he's like, well, you know, if I'm not getting mine, I'm a starter in this league, whatever. It, and I think the, there's more mentality that way than there is guys that are willing just to sacrifice and look at how do I need to operate for the good of the team? And I'm going to trust the team is utilizing me to its best advantage. The Warriors have a very unique situation and that there's no, even I even heard in Toronto at the beginning of the year, like Kyle Lowry and, 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 and Kawhi kind of had to sort it out because it was, okay, hold on, man. Like I'm the resident sheriff. You're going to come over, come in and take this, take this thing over. And sometimes those things get resolved, and sometimes, in the case of the Celtics, they don't. But the Warriors, I guess my general point is saying, a little bit like Kendrick Perkins, when Kendrick Perkins was traded by the Celtics. You, you looked at Kendrick, and he was like, okay, he was a starting center. He was like the Zaza Pachulia of, of, of the Warriors the last couple of years. But his presence in the locker room, the, the, the balance of personalities was greatly impacted 
when he left. They were not the same. Right. And I just wonder, you know, if you've experienced that in a team where there was somebody who left or whatever was cut, traded, whatever, and the the team didn't know or the front office didn't know, you know what? There's some intangibles here that you're losing that's really going to upset the balance of this team. Well, I had a couple of examples. So I would say with the Warriors, they get it because they have a coach who's seen it. He's seen what it looks like twice on two different teams. And he's been blessed, yeah, to be with Phil Jackson and to be with Pop. So he's seen it. And that's also why he's able to coach and give the guys the formula of what it's supposed to look like. And I go to comparison once again, I'll go to New England. He's able, he's done it for so long and he's seen it where he can show everyone the formula of what it looks like. And he's able to buy, have people buy in because he has done it, hmm. you know? And so that makes sense why there were some issues with Kawhi and, and Kyle Lowry. But I think Kyle had to accept the fact that, Hey man, Kawhi has seen what it looks like. Yeah. Well, you know, and he can get us there. And he can get us there. That's, and sometimes guys have to be humble enough to do the, their job and just take this is this is your role. The Raptors' confidence in Kawhi versus the Bucks' confidence in Giannis was right. clear as night and day. The right. t- Raptors realize over the course of that series, if we all do our jobs, that guy can bring us home. Like we yeah, know we, that guy can bring dude, us home. If we if we win, we all eat. Right. Right. That's where a right. lot of that's where a lot of teams and coaches and players they all struggle to understand that concept. Like, yeah. listen, like if if we all just do our job and we win, we all get taken care of. We all get a title. We all get a bonus. And now everyone's gonna try to sign us because they know that hey, this guy has been a championship team. This guy has seen it and done it and knows what it looks like. Right. And so I have two situations. When I went to Jacksonville, I mean, new owner, new GM. New head coach. Everything was new. So everyone was trying to figure out what was going on. And so in this case, every, it was a lot of individuals of guys just trying to play and, you know, trying to find their way, trying to find an identity. And I mean, we struggled because we had a lot of guys who, when it was going well, all about it. When it was not going well, everyone looked at each other, pointed the finger, coaches included, in, in that aspect. And I'm like, I'm like, man, this is crazy, you know. And and I'm uh, and if when I was trying to be the guy to like lead and step up, you know, I got into a I, I had butt with my coach, my position coach, a couple times because he, it almost looked like he took it as me trying to take over for hmm. him. When I'm like, nah, dude, I'm actually trying to help you, right? Because I've seen it, right? Let me help. So it was a lot of that a restricting of what I can do. And so when I went to the Redskins. Uh, at the time, it was Scott McLuhan, who was the general manager, and he knew how to find football players. And not just, obviously not to state the obvious, guys who play football, but football players, guys who love football, who have been around the game enough, who not only study the game well, but can teach other guys hmm. and who know how to lead. So we didn't have a bunch of like all-stars and pro bowlers on our 2015 team. But he found a bunch of guys who were real professionals, who have been on teams where they've been successful, who knew how to take care of their bodies, who knew how to study, who knew how to do all these little things, enough to get us into the playoffs. 
Now, was that team better than the 2016 roster? No. 17 roster? No. Definitely not the 8 to 18 roster was really good. And th- meanwhile, those three teams have not gone to the playoffs. Right. But we did because we had a bunch of guys, a bunch of veterans that just understood football. And so, I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to be real. When I was there in 16, when I moved to safety, we had so many personalities in that room. With Josh Norman and Bashar Breeland and and um, just just a bunch of guys, and the the one thing I'm able to do is I can I can find the good in every single player or even person. Hmm. I just I cause the the one compliment I get is like I, I listen well, so I'll listen to see what's going on and I I'll try to stretch myself and help anyone I can. So Thursday nights I will have meetings to you know the guys come watch film i'll teach guys how to watch film why because i was the player i didn't know how to study so i'm teaching guys how to study i'm teaching guys how to watch film when we're playing the games hey i know this guy may not be a great study so i'll study extra so that in a game i'll give him a report before the game like hey this is what's going on this Hmm. is what's this is what it is and i know some guys didn't get along and i feel like i kept the peace there but that's a heavy load. I mean, that's a lot of extra work no, but, to try but to keep I, things right. No, but I like that. Like, I embraced it. No one told me to do that. Right. I did it because I seen it. Yeah. I know. I knew what it took yeah. to have a team that is on the same page, to everybody to do their role and do their job. Well, and it's also appreciating the value of that. Right. I think off, there's often, whether it's front office or it's within the, in the locker room, there's a feeling like talent will win out. Right. And talent doesn't. Talent, yeah, talent, talent won't always win out. It won't. So that's the thing. I had to learn like, hey, okay, they're not paying me top dollar. You know, they're not going to – they're not trying to make me, you know, the, the primary safety of this team. Okay. But what kept me in the league for a long time is my value. My value to play safety, to play corner, to play nickel, to play dime, to play returner. Hey, we need someone to run around kickoff. I'll go knock somebody out. Hmm. Whatever. Not a big deal. So because of my value, because I've seen so much and dealt with so much, even in terms of my injuries, the adversity, I was able to, you know, help guys with this, help guys with that. Hey, I've been depressed. I've been injured. I had an ACL. I won a Super Bowl. I've been cut. I started. I mean, I had everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm here just mentoring. You can relate to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so I felt like, you know, I did a great job in terms of trying to help everybody mentally. Um, in, in the game. So I felt like when I got released in 2017 that all of a sudden I'm getting reports that guys are having fist fights <laughs> in the secondary. That guys aren't getting along here. This yeah. guy is doing this. Yeah. This guy is doing that. This yeah. is going on here. Yeah. The, the locker room is divided because some people want him to be the leader. People want this guy to be the leader. And I, I was there when things were going on. I would talk to guys like, "Hey, man, you know, at the end of the day, when the white, when between the white lines, let's go play." Yeah. And I think that I, when I left, a lot of issues started fusing up in sure. terms of in the locker room. So that's I think I hate saying like me, but I I know for a fact yeah. that that was a that was a big deal. Well, and, and unfortunately, I've... I would I still would have been there if Scott McLuhan had not been fired. A lot of guys, a lot of guys got released that were leaders and veterans and that kind of helped keep everything together 
they got released when when Scott got fired because we were Scott's guys. I've long believed that guys with your type of career, your type of experience, make for better coaches because you can relate to guys on a uh, spectrum as opposed to great players. Yeah, they may know the game, but they can't relate to the guy who's got to grind. You know, and they can't teach the game to a guy necessarily who has to grind to be able to make the cut. And it comes back to uh, the value of Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston and guys like that in that locker room and the delicate balance. Guys that don't have an ego, that pay, play big roles, but then anybody coming into their group, DeMarcus is an example. Like, and Andre talked about it, how like in some ways they had to encourage him to be more aggressive, and then in other ways we had, they had to say, hey, you need to pull it back here. Right. And it's understanding... Like it's all got to be within the balance of the team. Those are the decisions that we make. And and when you've created a uh, a culture of a group that knows how to protect it, then anybody who comes in, they either go, they get along, or they move on out. But if you don't create that culture, if you don't have somebody safeguarding it then you're prey to whatever new face walks in through the door. They could, maybe they'll help, but they got, they could just as well turn things sideways. Right, because the things that they respect, they respect, players respect these things. They respect champions. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even multiple champions. You know, if a guy's more than once a champion. And they respect guys who, they also, if they see that double digit on them, hey, this guy played multiple years. Oh, people always ask me, man, like, how'd you do it? Like, what did you do? You know, the other thing they respect a lot is guys who have gone through the fire, been burned, came out on the other side. Yeah. And they're like, like nothing happened. Yeah. How did you do that? You know, and you look at someone like Iggy, you know? Yeah. He's, he's been through it. And he's Multiple a leader. Places. Yeah, and he and he's and he's a leader. He's automatically respected when you go in there, and it's genuine. And it's like, man, I need to listen to this dude, especially when you go to that team. I know you feel it. You just feel it everywhere. Like these guys know how to work. Yeah. That's why when people ask me, is they say, if there's one coach, who would you want to play for? I said, I would, I would come out of retirement right now and play for Bill Belichick, hmm. because I know, like, man, it is such business. Over, it is it is business over there, and I respected that, and I appreciate that, and I love that. That's why I love playing for Coughlin. Is people say how strict and tough he was. You had a bunch of guys. It was all. I mean, it was it was such a profession where, I mean, during practice, we had a bunch of guys on the sideline that were in suits. I didn't wow. know who these people were. <laughs> they were just in suits. They were there. You know, I'm sure. Just observing. I mean, they weren't. They weren't like. No, I'm sure they were in teammates. Meetings. I'm sure they were in meetings with okay. like the Tishes and the Mara family. I'm okay. sure they were in meetings and hanging out with uh, Mr. Jerry Reese at the time and Dave Gettleman. I'm sure you know, but it was such it was such it was such a business and a lot of just grown men and the maturity of how we ran practice. You know, even like your, your practice uniform had to be right. Yeah. Everything had to be good, and and, that, and that's how we won game. We won game because everything was business. We had fun, but it was all business. That's why it was interesting when I went to Jacksonville. It was it was different, you know. I I love Jacksonville. I, you know, I I want to stay there for a long time, but they had to learn, you know, to treat it like business. Hmm. And now they they do. You know, I got coffin down there now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that there was a go. huge change for, for why they're having success now, believe it or not. So, interesting. All right. Full spectrum. Uh, that does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman. Since we we didn't get to do our usual two per week, but we, we made this one chock full. This one's almost a two for one, basically. So, hope you appreciate that. Uh, by the way, we have uh, reached our necessary quota of rating. So, we're going to have our drawing now for the prizes. Thank you very much. But continue to rate us because we will continue to give out prizes. And you may be eligible. We haven't had the drawing for these group of prizes yet. Uh, you'll either be eligible for this one and or the next set of prizes. So, wherever you get your po- podcasts, rate us, iTunes, wherever and send us a screenshot of that rating to at Buker Friends, and you will be eligible. In the next podcast, I'm going to be joined with uh, by one of my uh, FS1 colleagues, and I believe it will be Colin Cowherd. We are still getting that on the schedule. That's what we're attempting to do, but if not, it will be uh, someone that I'm working with in the next couple of days on TV so look forward to that. And I'm also going to have going to have a little bit more news on the KD Kawhi Kyrie front cuz I've got my ear to the ground on all of that. In the meantime, for Will and myself, as always, thanks for listening. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.